listening to the Dale Upright Show. And now, your host, Dale Upright. Last night, Israel launched a formal ground invasion into northern Gaza, which some people are calling the beginning of World War III. Russia, uh, Lebanese, and Iranian news outlets are reporting that U.S. soldiers uh, took uh, part in the overnight raid. Um, The first article I have here is from Sputnik. The headline reads, Total of 5,000 U.S. soldiers partook in Israel's overnight raid in northern Gaza, reports. This comes amid President Biden publicly um, advocating for a two-state solution. But the next article I wanted to share with you guys here is from antiwar.com. It's from Connor Freeman. And uh, in in the article, he um, goes on to... Uh, reference that in 2019, I'll just read these two paragraphs for you. In 2019, Gershon Hakoen, a major general in reserves and an associate of Netanyahu, said, we need to tell the truth. Netanyahu's strategy is to prevent the option of two states. So he is turning Hamas into his closest partner. Openly, Hamas is an enemy. Covertly, it's an ally. That same year, Netanyahu boasted to members of his party in Neset, anyone who wants to thwart the establishment of a Palestinian state has to support bolstering Hamas and transferring money to Hamas. This is part of our strategy, to isolate the Palestinians in Gaza from the Palestinians in the West Bank. So, the more I look into this, the more it seems that, at least from Netanyahu's point of view, a two-state solution has never been a part of the agenda. Um, it seems like both both the uh, Israeli um, elite and the uh, Hamas public lo- re- relations are basically fighting a PR um, campaign war in which... Uh, Either side is trying to claim that the other is doing um, unspeakable things and committing war crimes, right? So you got Israel um, talking about the terrible things that the Hamas invasion of October 7th, um, that, that, that the Hamas invaders were doing. And then you've got um, Palestinian news sources um, claiming that Israel is basically bombing everything except for Hamas in Gaza. This next article here from the Times of Israel, this came out the day after the invasion of Hamas, the invasion of Israel by Hamas. This is October 8th from Tal Schneider. The headline is, For years Netanyahu propped up Hamas. Now it's blown up in our faces. So it, it definitely seems like if you look back in the history, any moderate um, Palestinian government that was taking rise uh, definitely seems like Israel tried to thwart that and they've they've used and they've actually funded there are sources um, claiming that they've funded directly and indirectly uh, and armed Hamas and basically kind of used Hamas as a boogeyman so that they could and especially in it seems like in this case basically wipe Palestine 
off the map and be justified. So they're definitely using this as more of a, a PR campaign to the foreign aid that they want to get from different countries. So my position is a non-interventionalist position, um, similar to maybe what Ron Paul would would um, support. And that basically, you don't have to pick a moral argument or a moral side to this. I mean, you know, you don't have to love what Hamas is doing and you don't have to love what uh, Israel is doing. And in fact, you can have an opinion on it and not think that we need to send military and foreign aid to these countries, right? So you can uh, do these things. You can support someone without um, supporting them as as a nation and as a country. And that is actually, uh, from my point of view and from, you know, the point of view of Ron Paul and arguably the Founding Fathers, that is what would be the most beneficial to our country as a whole. That was from the Times of Israel. This next article here is uh, from RT. The headline is, Israel bombing everything but Hamas in Gaza, from Jackson Hinkle. Uh, The true goal of the operation is to force Palestinians out of the enclave, the political analyst told RT. So again, they're basically fighting a, a PR um, race with uh, with Hamas and with Palestinians on um, who can get the support of other countries, other superpowers like Russia or China, or in Israel's case, the United States or the United Nations. And then we have another uh, RT article here. It says... Uh, Gaza suffers near total information blackout. And this came out last night. I believe it came out right before midnight last night. So right as the invasion was happening from Israel and which uh, different sources, unconfirmed as far as I know, but three different uh, sources, Lebanese, Iranian, and Russian, are saying that U.S. was involved in the invasion. And shortly thereafter, a complete Internet blackout, right? So it's hard to make any kind of claims when the information's just coming out. You want to be careful, but one thing kind of leads to another and you can connect the dots and it, it just seems like it's, it's a, it's a theater, you know, it's, it's, it's meant to uh, draw out some kind of emotional response from people so that we get into another world war. Um, and so that maybe people do irrational things based off of emotion that they normally wouldn't do. You know, having a non-interventionalist position doesn't mean that you don't feel um, for the suffering that's happening. It just, if the argument is, is that you should um, get militarily involved or financially involved in every um, human rights violation in the entire world, then we would have to go to war with every single country. Um, There are slave labor camps in China. Does that mean that we need to um, help countries or or start an invasion into China ourselves? Obviously, most people would say no to that. But uh, depending on, you know, the uh, the media reports and depending on the emotional reactions, you can actually get people to hold that position um, if the human rights violation is bad enough or if the ally in question is, uh, you know, 
vested enough into our media and our politicians. Um, so the next article I have here is kind of related. <clears throat> it's uh, from Zero Hedge. The headline is Xennials, or what I like to call Zoomers, are terrified of a military draft as war looms. So the article goes on to talk about how um, in uh, in large part, the majority of, of the younger generation would support um, the Biden administration. They would support um, intervention um, for uh, foreign conflicts such as Ukraine and, uh, and Israel. And yet they are terrified to go to war themselves. And this is um, kind of what I touched on last episode, and this is why I, I have the position that I do, is unless you're willing to put your own money on the line and put your own life on the line, it doesn't seem fair to expect that of other people, and in fact to force them to do that. That's coming out of Zero Hedge. Um, I want to save this one, this article for last. But, uh, the next two articles I have are both, both from uh, Breitbart. But uh, this next one is on the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. Um, so the headline reads, Conservatives express concern over newly elected Speaker Johnson's Ukraine position on first day after McConnell meeting. So basically, I believe in the past, um, Mike Johnson has had more of a, a stance, um, kind of like what I'm talking about, where we, we don't want to... Um, go and pick a side like with the Russia Ukraine conflict um, and obviously uh, everybody NATO's been um, pushing against the the Russian uh, border for for years and um, everybody is is uh, talking about possibly the uh, Ukraine being a part of NATO which I believe is um, that's definitely not in Russia's best interest and I think they've publicly stated that they would uh, that they would not allow that without any kind of re- retaliation in the past I believe Mike Johnson has been more neutral on this uh, but right after uh, w- uh, getting voted for Speaker of the House now um, let's see I have the quote down here yes um, this is from Michael Tracy on Twitter. Um, he tells Sean Hannity, and there's a video here, he says, we can't allow Putin to prevail in Ukraine. This is Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House. He says, uh, we can't allow Putin to prevail in Ukraine. U.S. boots on the ground may be required to stand with Israel. Supports Israel directly attacking Iran. Russia, China, and Iran are the new axis of evil. So that sounds very, uh, very hawkish, very rhino-ish, very neoconish, and very uniparty to me. Um, so, like I said in the last article, I think conservatives that are um, kind of taking a victory lap on Mike Johnson, while there are definitely some good things that he has supported in the past, um, I talked about a couple of them in the last in the last episode. He's staunchly pro-life, which is great. He's addressed the issue at the border, which is great. <clears throat> but usually, uh, from my point of view, a lot of people think that um, when there is um, when when there is support from both when there is bipartisan support from both 
Republicans and Democrats, then that's how you know it's a really, really good thing. And my perspective is that's actually the opposite um, because of my view on the Uniparty. And that is that, you know, when Republicans and Democrats agree on something, then whatever it is that they're agreeing on is very likely very, very bad for the American citizen. Um, and when it comes to spending, that is one thing that usually conservatives and liberal politicians will um, find a way to end up making an agreement on. And it's because they both want to spend all of our money and they both want us to go deeper and deeper in debt. I brought up the Shift uh, Gold article last episode on how um, the the... 2023 uh, fiscal year, we had the third biggest deficit in U.S. history. Um, And so we just keep on going deeper and deeper in debt. The U.S. dollar keeps on losing more and more of its uh, buying power. And we keep on giving more and more financial aid. And this new um, $100 billion that Biden is uh, proposing, I believe the, the way it's situated is Sixty billion is supposed to go to Ukraine. <clears throat> Fourteen billion is supposed to go to Israel, and then the rest of it is being divvied up between a few different things. And supposedly, uh, the the border crisis is on that list, but um, it's not to build a wall. It's going to be used basically to make it easier for um, refugees, illegal. Um, asylum seekers, illegal immigrants to get into the country and to go wherever they want and to get on the welfare system. Anybody that that thinks that that's a bad policy and that it's unloving, I would welcome them to uh, invite some Somalian refugees or asylum seekers into their own house and see how that goes for them. These people, to a large degree, are coming from completely different cultures and completely different um, moral values than us. And they have no intention of assimilating or adopting an American culture. They want to bring their culture here to us. And I think I speak for many Americans when I say that we don't want to live in Somalia or in some Latin American country or in some Middle Eastern country. We, we like what America has stood for in the past. And if anything, we've lost a lot of our culture and we want to regain it, um, not, um, not dilute our culture anymore. Um, and that's what the whole idea of immigration and assimilation is. It's not um, to overtake a country. You know, if you were to, if an American were to move to China, um, they wouldn't complain about all the Chinese people there. They wouldn't complain that they had to learn the Chinese that, that that they had to learn Chinese and speak Chinese, right? They would understand, for the most part, that you have to assimilate to their culture because you're moving to their country. But for some reason, America, when, when it comes to America, we're expected to bring in and uh, make everybody feel completely comfortable and you're not actually really supposed to feel completely comfortable again if i were to move to china it would be a culture shock for me because i'm not chinese it's a different culture but they're not supposed to change so that i feel comfortable 
I'm supposed to change and adopt their culture. And obviously not completely. You still get to keep, you know, a part, part of your culture and, and to share that with people there. But, um, to a large degree, you would have to assimilate to their culture and take on some of their traditions. And that's just, it doesn't seem like, uh, American politicians believe that that's how it's supposed to be for, uh, people coming to the U S. So the new speaker of the house, Mike Johnson, um, kind of sounds like he's, um, he's been influenced first day after speaking with Mitch McConnell. Um, so not necessarily great news on that. So hopefully, you know, hopefully we get some wins and not just a bunch of losses from Mike Johnson. Um, last article I wanted to talk about, this is also from Breitbart, uh, the, the, uh, Robert Card, the names, the suspect from the mass shooting in Maine the other night has been found dead in what is effectively a dumpster with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Now, I've seen multiple different sources saying that it was a gunshot wound, a self-inflicted gunshot wound, but I've also heard a few sources um, commentary that said that there were two gunshot wounds. Um, so, um, I'll just throw that out there, but, uh, the, uh, the suspect for the mass shooting, uh, Robert card has been found dead in a box cart in a recycling facility, um, about 10 miles outside of Lewiston, Maine, where the mass shooting took place. Um, so thank you guys for checking it out. Um, make sure you like and subscribe and have a good day.